Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for a special edition of the Drop Zone. We got rid of the millennials. Sean and Dylan are out. The OGs have taken over the microphone. That, of course, is the one and only Michael Bamberger and uh, myself doing our dog and pony show for somebody else. New platform, but it, it'll be the same content. Michael, thanks for being here. Yeah. Now, are those guys out temporarily? It's just one week only. We can never get rid of them. They're too valuable to the franchise. Exactly. They're the future. <laughs> That's scary. Um, are we the past or are we the... Uh, no, we're president? hanging in there. We're hanging in there. So we have been given the assignment, Michael, of talking about the President's Cup. We are excited about the President's Cup. And you've been to Australia more recently than I. No, well, it's, hold it. Let's yeah. refrain. I've never been to Australia in my life, so... Oh, man. I... It, it's funny for a man in your position, you don't like to fly, but um, it, it's a long journey, but it's so worth it. It's such a special place. I've been now four times. And, wow. Um, but have you, have you been to this Royal Melbourne course? Oh, yes. I've. Uh, where, where would you put it on the St. Andrews Augusta National Continuum? Better than Augusta National. Um, as equally interesting and charming as the old course definitely tougher than the old course um doesn't have the same you know majestic sense of place i mean you're basically in the suburbs of of, of a city as oh. opposed to the, the heart of the old great tune but it's um it's it's without a doubt one of the greatest golf courses in the world and um just a really special place i mean it, it's probably the ultimate McKenzie design. You know, Augusta National has been kind of bastardized by the rough and the trees and the fertilizer. And I think Royal Melbourne probably plays like Augusta National did in the 1970s. You know, it's a little rough around the edges. It's a little burnt out in spots, pleasantly so. You know, it's it's not overly manicured. It, it looks like a golf course and it's a racetrack. I mean, the ball just rolls and rolls forever on the ground. Uh, every green is a riddle. There's there's a lot of movement. Uh, you have to feed the ball off slopes to get it close. You have to bounce it in. It's just a, a wonderful test and really a, a spectacular golf course. And there's two courses at Royal Melbourne. The West Course, which is, I think, right now number seven in golf magazine's world top 100. That's two spots higher than Augusta National. Then the East Course also made the top 100 in the world. And somewhere in the 90s, maybe 96. And for the President's Cup, they play a composite. It's going to be 13 courses off the West, and they take five off the East. But um, it just tells you how good that the golf is there, that you really have no idea when you're when you're watching it on TV. It's it's kind of the, the holes blend seamlessly together. So it's going to be a fantastic venue. And I think it actually gives the internationals a chance because it's not – a point and shoot golf it's not pga tour golf i mean it's really takes geometry and imagination and discipline and you can't just fire at the flag and so i think that's that gives us hope that it could be a competitive president's cup because it's um because the venue is so unique not, not to get too deep in the woods here or lack of woods uh but you've got three guys on that international team who are very good british open players uh mark leishman adam scott and um who would be the third? Oh, oh King, King Louis himself. King Louis himself. And I'm looking at this U.S. squad. I'm seeing Tiger Woods, who's a good uh, British Open player, and I'm not seeing anyone else who's really shown that they really dig Lynx golf. Yeah, I'm mean, Ricky Fowler. Years ago, had a, had a nice run of the Open, but he's kind of he's kind of fallen off. I think I think he could be a sleeper for the U.S. because he he is a little more imaginative. 
And um, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, if, if they were playing this at a Florida golf course, I mean, the U.S. would just be a prohibitive favorite. But um, I, I think Royal Melbourne is an equalizing factor. And, and in some ways, it's going to be, you know, the star of the show along with, with, with Tiger Woods, of course. But um, even, the, even the golf fans who aren't that in, emotionally invested in the President's Cup, I think they're going to love watching this, um, this golf course. And they're going to, especially in match play, where it does lend itself to being a little more aggressive and, and hitting some shots you probably would never try in a stroke play tournament. And there's going to be some, there's going to be some double bogeys from the middle of the fairway for guys just figure I need to make a birdie here and they fired a flag and they roll over the back of the green and they chip it off the green. And I mean, those to me are the most delicious double bogeys there is. But when uh, you see tour players just chipping it off the green and doing the walk of shame to the next shot. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to see plenty of that. I mean, the, I was there in November and the greens were already quite quick and everyone's like, ah, this is nothing. They slowed them down. Uh, just wait till they wait till I let him go for the president's cup. Uh, you know, it'll be three feet faster than this. It's like, man, that's scary. So uh-huh. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's neat. And you know, there'll be a lot of emphasis on, uh, on tiger, of course, but I think Ernie shouldn't be, uh, overlooked here because I think, uh, Ernie has been a big loser in life and in president's cups. I'm being facetious, but Ernie has been under the, uh, Ernie's been under the, the, the large size 18 feet of Tiger Woods basically his whole career or since since Tiger turned pro and I think he's looking for a moment here where he can uh where, where he can best uh Tiger Woods uh, uh that simply uh I don't think there's any great love between the two I don't think well I I don't think Ernie loves uh Tiger and I think uh this is an opportunity for him and uh I remember something uh Nick Price told me uh, years ago and I think it actually had an effect on Ernie from how I've heard the story uh, uh, two ways. But they were playing in a uh, they were playing in a President's Cup, and Ernie was sort of going through the emotions. You probably heard me tell this before, uh, Alan. And uh, and Nick stops him in the middle of the fairway, and he says, uh, "Ernie, this point may not mean much to you, but it means a fuck of a lot to me." And uh, that was supposed <laughs> to be that was supposed to be a wake up call to Ernie, as I've heard the story. And he's been woken up ever since, and I know. Ernie was, I, I spoke to Ernie briefly at the President's Cup uh, at Liberty National uh, in 2017, and he was pissed and, uh, or I don't think that's the right word, demoralized, I think is the right word. And, uh, you know, these guys are proud athletes. So uh, I'm interested to see how Ernie handles his side. Well, it's true. You know, the big easy moniker never quite captured the real Ernie L's because, as uh, those he, of us who saw him call you out like an after-school bully uh, at Whistling Straits years ago, no. Yeah, 2004, exactly. I mean, yeah, you saw it. I mean, he, he is affable and he's a fun-loving guy, but there's a fire that burns there. And look at all the agents and caddies he's burned through. Uh, he's been in my face a couple times about um, about stuff that was typed. I mean, he's 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 a prickly bastard in some ways, but that that's but you need to be a champion sportsman. And I think, I think his team will see both sides of that. You know, he's, he's going to make a fun team room. It's going to be jovial and it's, it's going to be a nice vibe. But I think at the same time, Ernie, as you say, is tired of losing the Tiger Woods. And probably when you think about Ernie's career, uh, you know, four major championships, what is the most memorable golf he's ever played in his life? It was probably in the dark in South Africa against Tiger at the president's cup in 2003 yeah, that was the, so much steel and, and so much will, which um, had deserted Ernie at times in stroke play events. And so the President's Cup, I think, does mean something to him. And um, 
you know, Australia's not South Africa, but they're, um, it's not being played in America. It's the Southern Hemisphere. There's, uh, they, you know, Adam Scott's comments about don't cheer for Tiger in the U.S. I mean, it, it feels like they're trying to bring more emotion to this event because they need it. Yep. Alan, what, what do you think this moment and this week means to Tiger? I think it means a lot. You know, he um, he's a student of sports history. Like, he knows how many NBA championships Bill Russell won as a player coach, right? Like, um, this is just another way to set himself apart. And, you know, anybody can can win a President's Cup as a player. He's done it. But to win it as a as a as a player coach is a really cool special distinction, and it speaks to Tiger's not only you know place in the game, but also his rejuvenated golf. And I think it really does mean a lot to him. I mean, uh, he's he's spent a, a lot of time thinking about this, talking about it with the players and his, his vice captains. I mean, the wheels have been turning for a long time. He's an analytical guy, and. Um, I think it means more to him as a captain, as a player. Like if, if, if Tiger is playing poorly, I think he will, in fact, bench himself so he can get the team victory um, because that means more to him than anything he can do as a player. Um, but it's going to be – I wouldn't, I, wouldn't agree, I wouldn't agree with that, Alan, because I don't think Tiger can admit to himself he's not playing well. I actually don't think he has that move uh, in him. Uh, we might see it, but I don't, think, I don't think he'll be able to see it. He, he could bench himself for other reasons. Uh, well, if it's if, – well, it won't be cold, but if, if it were cold, if it were windy, if his back were acting up, then he would. But I think, you know, I think Tiger is Tiger because he always thinks he's going to uh, play well. But I, I agree with you. I think this is a very big moment for him for all the reasons that you outlined so well. And even more broadly than that, he has got to set up the rest of his life here. Um, he, he must know on some level that he was very lucky to win that Masters tournament. Everything fell his way. Uh, as Nick Faldo uh, has told people, that's really the only major he can contend in because he can't play out a rough end anymore. He's not going to be Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson and, uh, and, and, and Patrick Cantlay uh, and Xander Shoffley uh, playing out of the rough. So, uh, so what does that leave for him? You know, as he's in his mid forties and, you know, going through his sixties, you know, in team competition, uh, he needs to compete like Michael Jordan, these other guys. And I think he's going to find that, uh, uh, president's cups and Ryder cups and then later captaining them and later being an advisor to them is going to be a very significant part of his life. So this is really the first day of the rest of his first week of the rest of his life. Uh, I would think it's a big deal. Yeah, no, that's well said. And, you know, it's hard. The, in the Tiger Phil continuum was interesting because in say post scandal during uh, all the injuries when, when Tiger kind of dropped it out of golf, um, he was out of sight, out of mind, and the game just moved on and, and minted these young these young stars. And and Phil became really the elder statesman on tour, and he was playing the practice rounds with those guys, and he was their mentor, and, and everyone loved Phil's role in the game. Um, and I think Tiger was alone in his house playing Call of Duty and and feeling a little forgotten. Um, and I think he, he he realized if he was going to be the beloved elder statesman like a Nicholas and a Palmer and these players he always revered growing up, he had a lot of work to do as far as building relationships, repairing relationships. And that's been part of this 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 renaissance for Tiger as he's become more open and available to his his, uh, his colleagues and He's kind of embraced this role as as this this uh, this old beard in the game, and 
I don't know if you'd ever articulate it, but I mean, I think he saw, okay, Phil, Phil's got the Arnie love. What do I have? And so um, this is meaningful. I mean, the fact that he he purposely kept Phil out of the team room by not naming him a captain, a vice captain, I don't think that's an accident. I mean, Tiger wanted to be uh, the guy that all the young players flocked to, and they were afraid of him, and he had no relationship with them. Uh, for a long time and he's worked hard to change that dynamic and this is kind of the validation and the confirmation and so um it really well, speaks Alan, to oh, go ahead well you know the, i didn't mean to interrupt but but the, the, what you just said really triggers something very interesting that i hadn't thought about but i'd like to know your opinion on it you, you would have to think just because of the age difference that phil would be in line for a Ryder cup captaincy uh, before tiger but on that basis it's weird that Phil is not an assistant captain on this team because you would think that would be part of the training ground uh, training program to be a Ryder cup captain. So how do you read that? Oh, for sure. I mean, that that was the whole, that was one of the main tenets of the task force era was we're going to have this continuity of captains. We were going to, we were going to groom future captains. The leadership was all going to be on the same page. And Tiger just blew all that up by not, not bringing Phil to, to Australia. I mean, it's really quite an alpha move by Tiger. And uh, I, I mean, I, there's no doubt Phil's going to be Ryder Cup captain, but th- this is a funny one. I mean, this is kind of a power play by Tiger. Um, and it does, it does sort of muddy the waters in the line of succession for, for these cups. And, you know, I think I could see Tiger going full Tony Jacklin and saying, hey, why don't I just be the president's cup captain for the next five or six cups? And why don't you give me a, a handful of Ryder Cups? And he would just suck all the oxygen out of the room. And who could really argue he's earned it? Um, he's, or at least, or at least two and two. Sure, exactly. And so, is he going to try to sideline and marginalize Phil? I mean, it's kind of a delicious thought. Um, Do you think I, this I, was a personal statement? Uh, I mean, it's always personal. You know, you said I, I want to be the alpha male in this. Uh, alpha dog in this team room but do you think beyond that do you think it was personal to phil what uh what tiger was saying here by leaving him uh, out of the team room i think that phil is a, is a very big personality and he's dominated these team rooms for a long time and i just think tiger didn't want to deal with it he wanted to be the only voice and he wanted to be the only you know hall of fame legend that uh, these young players were looking to and so I don't know if it was personal so much. It was just tactical. Like um, it was his chance to to unify, just just be the only voice that matters. And if it's Phil, not only you have to deal with the jabs and the smart Alec remarks, but he's gonna have his own opinions and he's gonna be pulling guys aside and whispering in their ears. And I just don't think Tiger wanted to deal with that. So um, uh, I, I don't think it's an accident. Put it that way. I mean. It, um, you know, there's some speculation, oh, Phil doesn't like to travel and it's too far for him to go. Well, by the way, he just signed up for Saudi Arabia. So I think we can. That's a long haul. That's a long haul. I think we can dismiss that one. I mean, I don't I don't think Phil called Tiger and said, hey, I want to just vacation with my kids in, in early December. I mean, um, I think this this was Tiger's move and it, it sends a little message. Which, hey, it's his team. There's no question about that. Yeah. It, I mean, there's a personality type that Tiger has always been drawn to, to the degree he's drawn to any personality type. And it's the Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker personality type. And those are his two assistants, along with Fred, who is just perfect for, I mean, I think they have a genuine friendship and uh, and, and Fred's perfect for this kind of setting. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, think about, think about um, Jerry Chang and Byron Bell. I mean, kind of nerdy guys that Tiger was friends with coming up, you know, that, um, it's it's not the uh, it's not the loudmouth you know quarterback uh, of the high school football team which you know Phil always wishes he was and so um, I, I definitely 
I definitely think there's something to that. And I, I think that he will lean on his vice captains. I mean, he, he's always respected Stricker. And as you say, there's that affection with Fred and, and Zach is just such a grinder. I mean, uh, uh, I think he Tiger has the team around him that he needs and that he wants. And as you say, part of that is for them to pipe down and let him be, be the dominant personality. And, but, you know, it's interesting. Well, just very briefly, but just to wrap that one thought up uh, as you're talking about that, because it's interesting because, Tyra has a very dominating personality, but I think he's at a point in his life uh, where he'd like to feel part of a team. He's never really been part of a team. Even when he was at, at Stanford, you know, maybe a little bit that second year, but not the first year. And this is uh, this is that chance. And professional golf's a lonely thing. And he's uh, he's in a new new section here. All right, let's move on. Let's just talk about some of the players. I mean, it, it's interesting when, when you go through the, um, the international team, these guys can all play and. I think if you're looking at a uh, at a sleeper for the whole thing, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Sungjae Im fan. I had Korean barbecue with him earlier this year in L.A. and, and wrote about him for Golf Magazine. And he's he's a birdie machine, and he's just got that, that incredibly sweet Ernie Els-like tempo. And I, I know they've become kind of – Ernie's become a little bit of a mentor to him. Um, I'm, this part of what I'm looking forward to is watching the international team really be given the stage and see what they can do. Because um, these are guys who they don't even show up on the telecast very much, unless you know they're they're fighting out the, at the bitter end. But how often does the the cameras find a a CT pan or a um, you know a Ben on? But these guys have some firepower and um, they're a pretty scrappy bunch. And um, so uh, if beyond Royal Melbourne as a stage, I'm actually excited about watching the international team just to see if any of these guys can really rise to the occasion. And, um, you know, for, for so long at the Ryder Cup, it was always the randoms who would pop up and and help turn the tide. You know, the Peter Bakers, the um, you know the Garridos, like uh, these sort of B-list European players that often played a huge role. And so, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know who's going to do it for the international team of anybody, but I'm looking forward to to watching that part of it play out. And then, I mean, on the top side of that international team, you've got serious, serious talent. Mark Leishman, Hideki, uh, King Louie, Adam Scott. I mean, th- th- these are absolutely world-class players. These are not players who are going to be nervous uh, playing Xander Shoffley. They're just not. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but <laughs> losing losing Brooks hurts a little bit. You know, I think that was um, – that, that it just diminishes the uh, – the cup a little bit when you, you don't have the number one player in the world and you know, the delicious smack talking with, uh, right. Um, with, uh, Rory that it just went down this fall. So I, to me, that took a little air out of it, but, uh, you know, I mean, this U S team is pretty stacked at one point when I was, I was running the numbers at 11 of the top 16 in the world ranking. I mean, there's no doubt they're, they're the prohibitive favorites, but, um, you know, there's the the fun part is going to be in, in, in the interpersonal. Like, who is Tiger going to pair himself with? How does he deal with with Patrick Reed? Um, you know, how does he deal with Bryson? Like that that's the fun stuff that that I think is has a whole other element to this. Uh, it's not even the golf; it's how Tiger moves the pieces around the chessboard and and how does how does he deal with some prickly characters? Yeah. Uh, what what do you think about his picks? Well. They're pretty uninspired, but what are you going to do? I mean, to me, again, if Tiger is thinking, if he's thinking about the big picture, um, 
he should have taken, you know, the Colin Morikawa and Matt Wolf and Cam Champ and start start building for the, uh, you know, the Ryder Cups and the Presidents Cups in three, four, five years from now. But Ricky Fowler, who's hardly played golf, uh, got married, contracted a weird, you know, bacterial infection, lost 15 pounds. I mean, it, it's like. It, it just tells you that, that that South Florida mafia thing runs really deep because it, it's hard to justify Ricky in any other way. Um, I, the others are def- well, go ahead. Well, I just I, I really did think uh, that he was going to go when, when Brooks pulled out. I thought he'd go for Jordan. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, Jordan Jordan's absence. And again, that would be building for the future. Like Right now is Jordan Spieth, one of the, the 10 or 12 best players in the world. Clearly not. But just as, you know, Greg Norman helped resurrect Adam Scott at a President's Cup. I mean, that, that would have been a vote of confidence. And that, that's got a sting for poor Jordan Spieth. I mean, he, he's, he has strokes, gains metrics and money lists and all that stuff to tell him that he's struggling. But when Tiger Woods just flat out tells you, I don't believe in you, that hurts. I mean, that, yeah. that's tough to come back from. And, yeah. Um, so uh, for it's really for the future of, of U.S. side, uh, a wounded speed is, is not a good thing. Um, and then or course, it makes, or it makes you dig deeper and, uh, and, and, you know, and show him that he's wrong. And I think, I think Jordan has that mentality. I'm just so bullish on this, on this Jordan speed uh, on a personal level. It, you and I had a nice interaction with him uh, much earlier this year. Uh, so it's hard not to root for him, but I just think he has the spirit of golf and the spirit of team golf deep in him i just thought he'd be i don't know perfect for this thing and i would think ricky fowler between being sick and and the distraction of you know uh, starting a new life as a uh, as a husband uh, i would have thought this was not the ideal timing for him so i was just very surprised by that no i agree and no i agree with your comments about speech he's a lot of people are trying to bury the guy he has too much will he has too much talent he has too much heart i mean he's, clearly he's got some flaws in his swing but um, th- those can be fixed. I mean, what he has inside is, is rare, and I, I think Spieth will be back. But, um, you know, the, the Patrick Reed pick was interesting. He's certainly been playing at a high level. It was highly defensible. But um, I think that was that was Tiger saying, I, I want to win this President's Cup. And I think Patrick Reed is one of the 12 best Americans, so I'm taking him, and I don't care about the rest of it. I mean, I, that was a little insight into Tiger's mentality that he, he wants a guy who's going to help him win. And even though we know Reed struggled at, at the – the Ryder Cup and made kind of a fool of himself in the aftermath. That was a pick based on golf, not, not team room, not personality. That was just, this guy's, he's been winning tournaments. He's been, he's been finishing the top 10. And of course, like Royal Melbourne, where you got to chip it and putt it. Like he, I think, I think that was a tactical decision by Tiger that had nothing to do with, with the interpersonal dynamics. It was just, he wanted Patrick Reed as a golfer and, and that's fine. And that's his prerogative. These, the U S team room has been very clicky, um, for a while now and, and Tiger's at the center of it. And it's, um, you know, he's, he's hosting guys at his restaurant and he's playing practice rounds with them at, at a medalist and the Floridian. And he's having uh, guys to his house. He's having guys to his house to chip and putt. And Brendan Todd is not one of those guys. And I think that hurt him. And, uh, I, it would have been a, a hugely popular pick because this this career re- resurrection that, that Todd has managed and the the amount of heart and will he's displayed. I mean, I, the golf world would have cheered for him to be rewarded. So it, it's uh, been astounding, but there was absolutely no way that Brendan Todd was going to make this team zero. Chance. I know, I know, but it just would have been it would have given it a little jolt of of energy, which which the cup needs. And 
um, just like taking all those young guns would have. Uh, I mean, Ricky Fowler is, is just so uninspired. I, I love, I like Tony Finau, but kind of the same thing. You know, Gary Woodland, he's U.S. Open champ. Fine, we'll give it up for Gary Woodland. But um, it's, I, it's I really just, like Tony Finau, but I don't think your management should trot out statements like the reason he's playing in that. Uh, that Saudi Arabia uh, tournament, you know, that you've got to win all over the world to be considered a world-class player. How about win the United States first, kid? I know. <laughs> you have one career PGA Tour victory. Like, come on. Um, it's a little too early to think about your legacy, Tony. Like, win the Bob Hope. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Well, what do you think happens when, uh, if you show up for, uh, for barbecue and, and backyard golf at Tiger's house, and, he, and like, you know, maybe you actually have Tiger's cell number. You call me. He said, Tiger, I'm at the gate. Uh, how do I get in? And Tiger would be like, I can't tell you that. I'm, I'll come out and open the thing for you. In other yeah. words, I wonder how I wonder how far it really goes. No, you don't get the code. That's for sure. And um, <laughs> I know. It, I mean, it, it, well, I'm sure Golf TV will trot out some 12 part series on chipping and putting in Tiger's backyard, and, and we'll we'll get some canned version of it. But it it is sort of the ultimate inner sanctum, and it would be um it would be fun to be a fly on the wall for that. And I mean, how do they are they really grinding? I mean, you, you know, at some point it gets competitive, and uh, it'd be fun to watch, right? I mean, I would I would probably enjoy that if we could get a, a, just a live feed from one of the palm trees. But um, again, it speaks to or we were discussing earlier i mean this need for tiger to connect with his peers has been been powerful and he spent the first you know two decades on tour trying to um big time them and and try not to give away any trade secrets and try and and cultivate this this aura of invincibility and uh, it has been interesting and kind of fun to watch him um, let people in a little more especially not not us, not the reporters, not the fans. That's all a little phony. But I think with the players, it's genuine. And of course, these guys, these guys love Tiger and they adore him and they, they, they don't care about his flaws. I mean, they're, you know, boyhood hero stuff. And so it's going to be fun watching them try and play their butts off for Tiger, because when, even, even at the President's Cup, when you lose, you've let down your partner, you've let down your team, you kind of let down your country, but nobody really cares. But to let down Tiger Woods, that's um, that's substantial. I mean, you don't want to go out there and make bogeys and have Tiger just you know staring a hole through you. So I think that's gonna that's gonna be a, a really fun dynamic to watch. Who do you like? <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta take you gotta take the U.S. But I'm thinking it's gonna be uh, 30 points up for grabs. I'll say 16 to 14. I think it's gonna wind up being closer than people think. And um, some of that's the venue. Some of that is the sneaky talent on the international side. Some of it is the, the burnt out U.S. players after a long flight. And, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's going to be not quite a nail biter, but I think the international team will hang around just enough to, to make us watch to the bitter end. What about you? Well, for all the reasons you just cited, I think the internationals will get 15 and a half points. Oh, man. Stop the presses. You're the first guy who's ever picked the internationals. I love it. I mean, well, they they, they are one for two in this in this venue, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's true. There, there's a choke factor when you're a huge favorite, and you and you don't want Tiger to, uh, you, you know, forever hate you because you lost the Presidents Cup for him. And I mean, let's face it, the the, the Aussies are fun loving people. You get you get enough um, 
uh, enough of them clumped together. It could be loud. It, it, uh, I think they will be, they're gratified that Tiger's there. They get to watch him play. And I think they'll, they'll despite Adam Scott's um, protestations, I, I think that they'll be very warm to the U S team. But when it comes, when it comes to the final round, I mean, I, I could see a kind of a crazed atmosphere and um, there's any number of, any, and also, by the way, even the Royal Melbourne is not right on the water. It can get quite windy. So you, if you get a, a burnt out, super fast golf course, 15, 20 mile an hour wind, the weight of Tiger and um, all that stuff. I mean, there's a choke factor even at, at, the, at the President's Cup. So it could, it could happen. Right. Alan, last question for you as a student of this, uh, of this event. They call it the President's Cup with an S, no apostrophe. Um, President Trump was uh, on hand in 2017 uh, at the trophy presentation. Uh, what what makes this? How do they actually present the cup here? Is there uh, is Trump expected to fly in for this, or what happens? I mean, there was there was some buzz about that. Um, I mean, it's so far. Is he? <laughs> he loves golf. He loves. The I think he game. likes a. I think he likes a road game right about now. Well, that's true too. I mean. He just hit Afghanistan for stir up a little turkey. I, you know, it, I would I would say is at least a 50-50 chance he shows up because that's probably one of his happiest days as president was was big timing it out at Liberty National. He got a very warm reception from um, from the players and the wives. And even though New York City voted overwhelmingly against uh, the Trump presidency, um, you know the the crowd. I think just. It's impressive when Marine One comes comes in and, um, you know, you get swept up in just the aura of, of what's happening. And you got a warm reception from the crowd despite everything. And so. Well, and there's there's there, there's New York and metropolitan New York. And then there's the uh, substrata of the golf population. And those are not the same things as we know. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, and, you know, he I mean, he, he enjoyed hosting the Women's Open and his joint. I mean. We both have written about uh, about how much Trump loves golf and how much it means to him, and uh, you know this could be this could be his last shot, right? To to be the sitting president handing out the president's cup with Tiger Woods and the whole world watching. I mean, why wouldn't he do it, right? I, I, so the more I thought, the more we talk about it, the more likely it seems. And you know that it'd, hey, it'd be great. It'd be great for the for the event, right? It's a, it's the biggest spotlight there is, and. Trump is polarizing, but um, everyone's always watching and paying attention. So if, he, if he's tweeting about the President's Cup and he's there, it just adds more electricity to the whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that you just—I mean, that you just ran through the tape there, Michael. That was that was inspiring. <laughs> all right. Well, I I think we've touched them all. Um, clearly, we will be writing about. Um, the president's cup for golf.com and are the regular drop zone homies dylan and sean will will probably what are are those guys doing this week they're they're in effing bermuda for for the hero i mean they're like snorkeling and i don't know what they're doing but they they got a better gig than we do it's it's cold and rainy here in carmel i'm sure it's the same in philly are are they at the hero they're at the hero good for them i know no it's we gotta we gotta fly the flag it's it's the fifth major, man. We got to be there. But um, anyway, thanks to all the listeners who have suffered through this podcast. We appreciate your fidelity, your stamina. Um, Michael and I have, we've, we actually have, we've kind of let the people down. We haven't done too many podcasts. But now as the new season is upon us, we will crank it back up and we will, we will be in your ear hole with regularity. So um, 
This is Alan Shipnuck. That's Michael Bamberger signing off from the Drop Zone. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll do it again sometime soon.